Come out to the coast. We'll get together. We'll have a few laughs. Merry Christmas, watchers. Today's episode is our season finale, and we wanted to send you off into the Christmas holiday with quite possibly the greatest Christmas movie of all time. The arguments over whether or not it's even a Christmas movie at all have ended many a friendship on social media, and I'm sure made for some drag-out, knockdown fights at family gatherings. So in the salty spirit of old St. Bruce, let the bullets fly in the windows shatter as we break down 1988's legendary holiday epic, Die Hard. Yippee-ki-yay, mother... Once again, Merry Merry Christmas and welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Josh and Jeremy Baruto, and we try to review movies that are at least 10 years old and see what kind of impact they made or are still making on culture and the film industry. We're all about spoilers here, so if you don't want that, pause this, go watch the movie, and then come on back. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a midnight watch? Well, everyone, once again, we have brought back Jake, our illustrious uh, sound engineer, director, producer, sound producer. I'm not a director. (laughs) No, that's true. (laughs) He's I want no part of that. Back by popular demand. (laughs) But no, it's super cool having you you here, Jake. You're very much a part of the show, uh, even though it's, it's, you know background normally so you're not even really a guest today we just have the full crew today glad to be here mike so let's uh let's see jumping into this about a little bit of christmas traditions real quick do you guys have any specific christmas movies that are like must watches that you have to watch every year go for it jake i don't really know if i have christmas movies per se but i know i have watched a lot of star wars during this time of year i mean is that like my life is that specifically something that you go to every time uh, for christmas Probably stuff like that, yeah. Star Wars or something fantasy based. That makes sense. I, uh, my wife and I actually, we tend to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy almost every Christmas. Right. That would that would That's go cool. right in there with it too. Like usually yeah. non Christmassy stuff, but uh, probably if I'm with my family, then I guess it'd be, you know, some Hallmark movie that would be very <laughs> Christmassy. Dude, our dad loves the Hallmark movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I know all about it. can't get enough of them what about you i don't i I feel like when we were kids other than like white christmas i can't think of any ones that we like had to watch every year Uh, i don't i don't know i i do like to watch white christmas still when when i'm allowed to it's it's an older movie so my wife and kids don't always want to watch that one with me but ones that are definitely a a must watch we got to watch elf that uh that's a a modern classic we uh we always is it? Yeah. We always watch uh, Muppet Christmas Muppet Christmas Carol. You know, That's I've never one. seen that. Really? Yeah. Do yourself know. a favor this year. I, I it will. Is, it is a holiday treat. Awesome. Um, <laughs> and then the other one is uh, Love Actually that uh, Trandy and I try to watch that one every year. I'm trying to think for, uh, we like The Grinch a lot. That movie. Is, oh, yeah. That's a My movie that we that freaking quote that movie year round, actually randomly and that movie and the princess bride but we don't watch the princess bride around christmas time um the only other movie i think that we watch um normally around christmas uh is die hard actually 
So really, yeah, we could jump into that. So, do you guys feel like this is actually a Christmas movie? Besides the uh, music scoring and the bells and and uh, maybe a few things set up here and there. It's a diehard being Christmas. (laughs) It's a diehard argument, though. Like people, like okay, for example, Bruce Willis has stated that it is not a, a Christmas movie. And then 20th Century Fox has stated, like, no, it's definitely a Christmas movie. And actually, since Disney owns 20th Century Fox now, it's a Disney Christmas classic. So, <laughs> yeah. It's, and nice. uh, so they came out and they were like, yeah, no, it's totally a Christmas movie. Which is funny, though, because this movie was released in July, which that doesn't really make sense. There's a, Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff with this. Let's jump into yeah. the, the next section that we always forget about. First right. experiences. You guys, uh, let's go start with Josh. When's the first time you saw this movie? Uh, I was trying to think about that earlier today. I don't remember the first time I watched this, but I do specifically remember a long time ago. Uh, I was actually, when I was in Dallas for training, when I just got hired at Southwest, and my roommate didn't want to go out with everyone else. They were all going to the to a bar or something, and he just wanted to hang out. And he's all, oh, Die Hard's going to be on HBO tonight. So we just got pizza and beer and just hung out in the hotel room. I think we had a few other people come hang out too. And I remember watching it then. That's one of the earliest times I can remember. I know I'd already seen it before, but that really stands out as like a, a really landmark time of me sitting down to watch it and really enjoying it. That was almost 14 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a minute since uh, when since I've seen this for the first time. I'm, I honestly can't remember the first time I watched this movie, but it, it was probably like 10, 10, 15 years ago as well. No, not 15, probably more like 10 years ago. Mm. But yeah, it just kind of came the tradition to watch this movie every Christmas. And I think it was kind of first like, yeah, I'm so cool. I'm watching Die Hard the Christmas. And then uh, now it's like, I just kind of watch Die Hard during Christmas. So that's just what you do. <laughs> so yeah. What about you, Jake? I honestly can't remember per se, but uh, if I had to guess, I, I'm pretty sure I was probably in a hotel somewhere in another state during a travel hockey tournament watching nice. this. No and, way. Eh? Yeah, That's awesome. Well, I just know my dad's not a big sit-down movie-watching guy, so if there, it was going to happen at that time, mid-90s, we were probably in a hotel. <laughs> I probably saw bits and pieces and then passed out to it. Along with uh, another movie that's kind of related as far as having actors and same scoring guy, which is Robin Hood. Ah, uh, okay. I, I, yeah. I definitely remember specifically seeing that in a hotel as well. Hey, yeah. And you got you know you got Alan Rickman in that movie as well. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Bruce Willis is. Uh, he's not in that movie. I have no not jokes in that on movie. that. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna. I was, gonna try. I was like, I was wondering how we're gonna pull that one. Yeah, out. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah i had the name of the score the guy who did the scoring or the the music not even i wouldn't say score, the but composer music, yeah the guy just who did music stuff with a piano that was very similar to one that i had in the 90s or at least okay. one that could mimic everything that he used in that movie other than right. tracks that he just slowed down oh that's awesome who was the composer oh man oh. michael michael Kamen. michael there we Kamen go was the composer okay I- I just pulled that up too. I was like, "There's did he my do notes." The, yeah. He did the music for Robin Hood as well. well I, I wouldn't say he did the music, but chose the soundtrack because song by Brian Adams, "Listen to Your Heart." That's in Robin Hood, but I wouldn't say Michael came and wrote it. But there is plenty of scoring in the movie as well that uh, that he brought. He did do all all of. I know he didn't want to use "Ode to Joy" as the terrorist theme songs. Um, be, until uh, John McTiernan was telling him like, "Hey, they did that inside." Uh, Clockwork Orange. So, and that's when he was like, "Oh yeah, I, I do like that movie." Well, I'll go ahead and use that. So, it worked. It works when you when you 
they slowed it down like that and then just lowered the velocity of all of it so that it sounded like dark and creepy but you could still tell it was a christmas jingle oh absolutely okay man we yeah. we're about to jump into this deep this is gonna yeah, be a good conversation well, i was gonna i was just gonna jump in right here uh he did he is on the music credits for robin hood oh michael okay Kamen. i thought we were saying beethoven <laughs> no <laughs> no but michael Kamen uh also was on the, the credits for that so that's probably why you definitely heard that that similar all of these composers they got their sound and then they just you can definitely tell it's like John Williams. You know a John Williams soundtrack when you hear it. On Christmas Eve, 1988, NYPD detective John McClane arrives in Los Angeles intending to reconcile with his estranged wife, Holly. He is driven to Nakatomi Plaza by his driver, Argyle, to attend a Christmas party held by Holly's employer, the Nakatomi Corporation. Argyle waits for McClane in the garage. While McClane changes clothes, the tower is seized by a German radical, Hans Gruber, and his heavily armed team, Carl and his brother Tony, Franco, Theo, Alexander, Marco, Christoph, Eddie, Uli, Heinrich, Fritz, and James. Those inside the tower are taken hostage, except for McLean, who slips away. Gruber interrogates Nakatomi executive Joseph Takagi for the building's vault code. Gruber reveals that he plans to steal $640 million, which is the equivalent to $1.38 billion in 2019, apparently when this was written in Wikipedia, just in case I didn't mention that before. And in Untraceable Bear Bonds, the gang is pretending to be terrorists to conceal the theft. Tagagi refuses to cooperate and is executed. Theo is tasked by breaking into the vault. McLean, and McLean, who is secretly watching events, triggers a fire alarm to alert authorities. Tony is sent after McLean, who kills him, obtaining his weapon and radio, which he uses to contact the Los Angeles Police Department. Sergeant Al Powell is sent to investigate. McLean kills Marco and Heinrich, recovering the latter's bag of C4 explosives and detonators. Seeing nothing amiss, Powell prepares to leave when McLean drops Marco's body onto his patrol car. Powell summons the LAPD. A SWAT team lays siege to the building, but are neutralized by gunfire on the ground floor and anti-tank missiles fired by James and Alexander. McLean throws some C4 down an elevator shaft. The explosion kills the pair, ending the assault. Holly's co-worker, Harry Ellis, attempts to mediate between Gruber and McLean for the latter's surrender. McLean refuses and Ellis is killed. Gruber checks the explosives installed on the roof and encounters McLean. He portrays himself as an escaped hostage. McLean offers him a gun and Gruber attempts to shoot him. Or when he attempts to shoot him, the gun is empty. Carl, Franco, and Fritz arrive. McLean kills Fritz and Franco, but is badly injured by shattered glass from shot-out office windows and is forced to flee, abandoning the detonators. Outside, FBI agents commandeer the situation, ordering the power shut off. As Gruber had anticipated, the power cut disables the final vault lock. His team collects the bonds. Gruber demands a helicopter to be flown to the roof. The FBI agrees, intending to send gunship helicopters to eliminate the group, regardless of collateral damage to the hostages. A despondent McLean contacts Powell. He tells McLean that he accidentally shot a child once while on patrol and has not used his gun since. McLean realizes Gruber intends to detonate the rooftop, killing the hostages and the FBI agents to fake his team's deaths. Carl confronts McLean and they fight. Gruber sees a news report by reporter Richard Thornburg on McLean's children and deduces that he is Holly's husband. The hostages are escorted to the roof. Gruber keeps Holly with him. During the long fight, McLean seemingly kills Carl. He kills Uli and rescues, it, rescues the hostages just before Gruber detonates the roof, destroying the FBI helicopters. 
Meanwhile, Theo uh, retrieves their getaway vehicle from the parking garage, but is neutralized by Argyle, who's been following the events on his radio. A weary and battered McLean finds Holly with Gruber and his remaining men, Eddie and Kristoff. After knocking Kristoff unconscious, McLean confronts Gruber and is ordered to surrender his machine gun. McLean does this to spare Holly, but distracts Gruber and Eddie by laughing and grabs a concealed pistol taped to his back that contains two bullets. McLean wounds Gruber and kills Eddie. Gruber crashes through a window, but grabs onto Holly's wrist. He makes a last-ditch attempt to kill the pair, but McLean unclasps Holly's wristwatch, and Gruber falls to his death on the street below. Outside, McLean and Holly meet Powell. Carl emerges and attempts to shoot McLean, but is killed by Powell. Thornburg arrives and tries to interview McLean, but Holly punches him. Argyle crashes through the parking garage door in the limo and leaves the area with McLean and Holly. All right. Hmm. All right. So, uh, let me drop some facts real quick. Uh, this was directed by John McTiernan. The score, as we were talking before, is by Michael Kamen. It was based off the ro- the novel by Richard Thorpe, which is the novel is actually called Nothing Lasts Forever. That sounds like a James Bond movie. Yeah, it does. The cinematographer is Jandy Bont, which actually he also directed Speed. Jandy Bont became a director and directed Speed, Twister, The Haunting, Cujo. And then let's see. The budget was twenty-eight million, and the box office was one hundred and forty point seven million. So that made some serious money right there. And uh, let's see the the cast. We've got Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Bonnie Bedelia, Reginald Vell Johnson, William Atherton, Alexander Godunov. Uh, we have, let's see. We also have Paul Gleason and Devoe White. I think I said that right. But anyways, we got a lot of really good actors in this movie. Right before I rewatched this. The guy who plays Carl Alexander Goodenough. I just yeah. watched. I just watched that uh, Tom Hanks movie, uh, The Money Pit. Um, oh, you guys, okay. Have you guys seen that movie? I haven't, but I know what you're talking about. He's the love interest, or like the the love interest uh, against Tom Hanks in that movie, and he's freaking hilarious actually because he's such a douchebag. So <laughs> I just see because this is the only other movie I've seen him in, and I was like, this guy's really funny. That's nice. really well. Yeah, you know what he's most famous for, though, right? Uh, apparently not. What's that? Family Matters. You know, with Urkel. He's talking. No, he's talking about. Uh, he was talking about a- Alexander Goodenov, Carl. Oh my Carl. bad. Yeah, not not Carl Winslow. I was waiting Sorry. to jump in, be like, my man yeah. is Carl Winslow. <laughs> I know, Family Carl Matters. <laughs> I grew up watching it. He was amazing. I didn't even know he was in it. I was like, maybe this guy was the neighbor. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was apparently not listening to you and really looking at my notes. Yeah, no. When he okay. said Carl, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh no! But then Sorry, I, I saw, I saw right on the notes. I was like, oh, he's talking about this Alexander Goodenough guy. Yeah. Uh, nope. Sorry. No, you're t- you're talking about uh, Sergeant Al Powell. Yeah, Reginald uh, Vell Johnson. Yeah. That guy was really good in this. I also loved his little thing where he's like, I shot a kid, so I can't do violence. And how does he redeem himself? By blowing away somebody with a gun. So violence right. is I the just, answer. I just love how good they were able to make you feel bad for him as the cop. And like, yeah, today I just felt like, oh, you shot a kid, dude? Like, oh yeah, take your badge, dude. Like, you're done. Right. 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 <laughs> it's like, and this movie is like, no, dude, you're you're gonna you're gonna get your comeback today. I was gonna say because I mean, whether or not. You. 
Whether or not this is a Christmas movie, I think we can all agree at the end of the day, this is a movie about how Al got his mojo back. 100% all the way. And then and then how how great of friends that him and uh, John McClane were. Right. Oh, yeah. At the end. They were like best friends. Right. You know, that is one thing that they really dropped the ball on. Is he should have been in at least some of the sequels. Yeah, I don't know why. I wonder why they didn't. I mean, maybe he just didn't want to be in it or something. Because you, you think that's a surefire thing. They finished it off with a really good vibe between them, too. So they could have totally done Yeah. That. I don't know. When yeah, was Family such Matters? Good chemistry. When was Family Matters recorded? Was that like after this movie? It was, uh, yeah, it was after. It was 96, 98. It might have been maybe scheduling conflicts because Fam- sometimes that happens. Okay. Right. Family Matters was right after that from 1989 to 1998. Yeah. So yeah. That, that, sound, that might have been actually the case then because I know like Tom Selleck was supposed to be the original Indiana Jones, but he couldn't do it because um, he was in. Not it, it, uh, Magnum, Magnum PI. PI. It honestly right. just seems like they literally took his character. From this movie and then made yeah. the whole family behind it right <laughs> like because yeah, when, just... when i saw him in this movie that's what i thought right away i was like dude did they just like carry on the show right after this <laughs> from the movie yeah and he, now he's just carl winslow you know right loving family man guy with you know stuff going on in his house right and really so, the and the his unborn son in the movie was eddie <laughs> his son on, on point. the show <laughs> on point and they moved to chicago <laughs> They did. They, 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 hey, said, you know, I'm done with LA, guys. I bet After what they had to do. Right. <laughs> we're going they probably to had to do witness protection, and that's why they changed his name and then moved to Chicago. That's it. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. It. You know, one guy I wanted to shout out to is the, he's one of the thugs in this movie. His name's Al Leong. He's the Chinese yes. guy with the long hair. I, yeah. Every time I see him, I'm like, dude, I've seen that guy in like every action movie from the 90s. Who is this guy? Yeah. And he was in Big Trouble in Little China, Lethal Weapon, of course, Die Hard, They Live, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Black Rain, Escape from L.A., The Replacement Killers, Godzilla, just to name a few. This guy is in a ton of movies. He's like, he's kind of like Danny Trejo, where he's like in a ton of films, and you're like, I always recognize that guy, but for a long time, I didn't know his name. Yeah. Well, he never really has... I don't even know that he has many speaking roles. He's just always, he's always just like thug number one. Just, <laughs> you know, he's just. You're number one. He's just, he's just like, you know, one of the main guys in the crew, but he doesn't really have, that I'm aware of a lot of lines usually, but he's just so recognizable. He's got like a huge fan club too, because yeah. we're, not, we're not alone in seeing him in all these other movies. Right. I was just like, who is this guy? This guy is freaking awesome. Anybody oh. that can be that bald and rock long hair like that, I mean, that's props mad oh, mad respect i can't do it <laughs> that's oh, like man. uh reggie from phantasm dude it's uh he's yeah. rocking the skull it <laughs> skull it i love it i have to say he pulls it off a lot better though than reggie reggie always looked bad but we didn't care let's jump into some trivia uh this yeah. was Hit it us. actually was filmed almost entirely on location in the 20th Century Fox headquarters, actually, while they were building it, the Nakatomi Plaza, they were building it, so the company charged itself for rent for the use of the unfinished building, which is, oh, wow. that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what else do we got here? Oh, the thing I thought was really cool that they do not do this in a lot of movies, even back then, those explosions were not miniature explosions. They were like full-on massive explosions that they filmed so like the explosion on the on the ceiling 
they actually had tons of people call the police station because they were like, what's going on? Because it's downtown Oh, on the roof LA. of the building? Yeah. So that was that was pretty awesome. I, when I found out about that, I was like, dang, that's freaking legit. The, oh, yeah, also, that's super cool. I need to uh, also say this was morally objectionable by the Catholic Church, so it did not receive the Pope's blessing, unfortunately. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? It was morally unje- objectionable. Just, I don't just know. Just too, too violent? There was a lot of shooting going on and... <laughs> A lot there of was a, not reloading and having tons of bullets. I think there was a, <laughs> That is the cardinal sin, you're right. I that's true. That's a good point, Jake. I do There's count sometimes like when oh, they're dude. shooting, I'll like literally be counting and be like, How do they not run out of bullets? Especially right. I just watched the movie uh The Killer the other day, uh John Woo's movie with uh Chow Yun Fat. Have you guys seen that okay. movie? I I'm pretty sure I've seen that one Anyways, a long time ago. Yeah, it's a gun ballet movie, ballet of bullets, and they never reload, and they're just always like, and I don't right. Even, yeah, it's the magic of Hollywood, or right. Hong Kong right there. Like, how does that pistol have 47 shots in it? That's amazing. Uh, let's see. Also, this was the feature film debate of Alan Rickman, so he was really nervous about that, but uh, about how his first Hollywood role would go over, and but any, he blew it away. Like, immediately, people were like, this guy is really good. Who is this dude? Right. So, yeah, that was pretty great. legit. Yeah, he's he's one of the most iconic villains, I would say, in 100%. movie history. I mean, oh, yeah. between this, I mean, I'm Jake. I'm glad you brought up Robin Hood. I mean, he's the sheriff of Nottingham, and he's he's he a, bad, a bad bad man in that he was one. A bad dude. We watched that while I was out of town, dude, and was, he was a bad guy. He was, couldn't watch he was it in town. He was too bad. <laughs> no. Right. Dude, I had to get out of my house to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, to you know, kids in the last. 10, 12, 15 years or so, he's, you know, Severus Snape in the Harry Potter movies. Right. Not, tr- not really, more of an anti-hero in that one, right, but still, definitely. you you know, he's got the bad guy vibe just oozing off of his greasy head. You feel that he's a bad guy, the majority, I thought he was until I read the books and then I was like, oh, I'm mistaken. Yep. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, no. I know. <laughs> what else do we got? You guys got any uh, interesting tidbits on this before we really dive deep oh my my only other thing that i couldn't get in my head the whole time i was like dude argyle man like you're just gonna hang out in this car the whole like it's nighttime like i'm thinking this is at least you've been in that car for at least six to eight hours right at least like you know a full shift you've been just chilling and partying in this car in the basement like right that's that's a solid friend right there that just well i'd assume i'd assume he's on the clock but but even still, like you see him on the phone and he's listening to music and drinking, and apparently that was enough to entertain him, like you said, for hours. Right, dude, just like <laughs> all day, all night, oh. jamming it. When I first, okay, so let me back up real quick. I never knew that Bruce Willis was known as a comedian before. I since growing up, I always thought Bruce Willis was an action star. I didn't right. realize that this movie was like his breakout role as an action star. But people didn't think that he was going to actually be able to pull this off. So they took his face off of the posters because when their initial reactions from the trailers, they thought this was going to be a comedy because he was in it. So they right. they took his face off the posters. And then after the film was released and people had a really positive reaction to it, then they put his, his face back on there. But I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. So when I was researching this, I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. So when he's like making jokes and stuff... I was like, hey, Bruce Willis is pretty funny. You know, like then you watch Red and he's like 
It's pretty funny in that as well. Yeah, I did not know that he did that. My, my Christmas wish is I want to find ways to watch TV versions of these older R-rated movies like Scarface or like <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, you know? And so like they basically, the, the classic line from this movie, yippee ki is on TV, it's yippee melon farmer. <laughs> and so, melon farmer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's why I want to wa- find like TV versions of all these old school movies because somebody had to go through and like match, <laughs> like we have all the bad lip dubbing mo- things on YouTube. Like somebody had to literally do that in their job and like figure out how to mix that so it sounded right. So it went and you, you we, don't, we, don't, we don't have that now on our streaming services. So right. I, I hope that we can find that where somebody just has like the TV versions or like a commentary track. You could just download and play it during the movie. I would love right. that. That, is that would be very cool too. Go ahead. It's funny though. I've never really thought about how we don't watch TV versions of movies anymore really. I mean, who I don't know too many people that watch live TV or, you know, something that's been edited for TV because you're right. You're all you're constantly you know, streaming something that's in its original form or it's been, if it's been changed, it's because they added more stuff to it right. or, you know, in some way, you know, I'm doing air quotes, made it better. And, you know, <laughs> but definitely, friendly. definitely not chopped to pieces like you would see, you know, for commercial time. And then obviously for, uh, for editing, for, um, you know, swearing or violence or nudity or whatever. Right. Like, uh, I was at, work the other day and they were playing slumber party massacre on the in the break room and i was like dude that movie's got a lot of swearing and a lot of nudity and i wanted to like sit in there and watch to see how did they edit this for tv because it was just like on like bravo or something like that and unfortunately i had to go back to work you know i gotta pay the bills uh, but you that, didn't see if they blurred out the boobies <laughs> i was wondering if they're just gonna completely cut out scenes or whatever um, but anyways, yeah, that's I'd a look- tough movie to cut scenes out of. That that's like half the movie, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a forty-five minute movie now. <laughs> so Die Hard actually is a sequel, technically. Uh, it's a sequel to the book The Detective, which they made that movie in nineteen sixty-eight, which starred Frank Sinatra. So this movie actually, they had they had to ask Frank Sinatra if he wanted to be the main actor in Die Hard. I kind of want to see that version, actually. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I think that would be awesome, but the, he was 73 years old and he turned it down. But um, hey, if Fred Astaire can still do awesome stuff in the Towering Inferno, right. and he was in his 70s, I think I could see Frank Sinatra, you know, dual wielding weapons, running around barefoot at 73. <laughs> you know who would have done it is Sean Connery. If Sean Connery had been in the original, oh yeah, I bet you for sure he would have done it I in have, his yeah. 70s. He might have. You're right. Probably would have been a lot more elegant too, though. Like he wouldn't oh, have like the, the wife beater shirt on. He'd have like a full on like <laughs> I don't know golfing jacket or something like that. Rippy car, yay, melon farmer. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's see what else we got here. Oh yeah, Bruce Willis actually rode the elevator in that one scene when he's riding it on the top. So really, yeah, that was pretty legit. My favorite part of this movie, though, is when the elevator door opens and the guy's uh, there and he's dead and his shirt says, now I have a machine gun. Like, Oh, yeah. That is my favorite part of the whole movie right there because it's just like, <laughs> dude, like this just got real. Like that, that, If this was a horror movie, you see it from somebody else's perspective, like, right. that's scary right there. Right. That was freaking legit. That's yeah, that would be, that's yeah. actually kind of interesting. It's almost like if you were to look at it from, say, the movie was from the terrorist perspective. Um, 
he's to- Bruce Willis is totally, you know, like John Wick. He's like Baba Yaga. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John Wick, yeah. <laughs> he's totally like the boogeyman who's just, you know, taking them out bit by bit and just, you know, ruining all their plans. As right. he did. Which he did, right? <laughs> but you don't think about it from their perspective. You're just thinking he's, you know, oh, he's the good guy. But what if he wasn't? What if he was the bad guy? You know what I found was interesting in this is John McTiernan had directed a lot of, like, big 80s action movies with, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger and other people. And this was actually supposed to be a sequel to Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But then he, John McTiernan was tired of, like, the, the that type of Rambo characters and so they rewrote the films for somebody to be more of a normal action hero. And it was interesting because this is an action movie that Bruce Willis gets like cut up in this. He gets hurt real bad. Like he makes dumb decisions, but but not like not dumb decisions, I should say. He makes human decisions. He's right. imperfect. And he's a very damaged personality, which makes you like him more instead of just right. like Arnold Schwarzenegger just coming in and blowing everybody away, which I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Arnold, but yeah, well, it's not a dig on that. It's just he's. It's like watching Superman come through, and you. you right. know, that's the that's the rules. You know, Superman's gonna win. He's the biggest and the best. And here you have this other guy who's just he's scrappy more than anything. I remember feeling that through the whole movie, where I was just like, dude, he's very human and very vulnerable and very could be easily compromised. Uh, as far right. as you know, a lot of movies today, or you know, just movies where you see untouchable hero and they're just like that the whole time this this dude was just just barely scra- scraping by to, right. to get by almost the whole time yeah <laughs> and he's literally making it each time he's but, literally winging winging it almost you know everything he does like i felt that in his anger and that was another thing that really got me in movies from that time to now where like i felt like he was just off the cuff swearing a lot and just like just expressing himself you yes. know it, it, there was no script. It seemed like he was just getting mad and then starting throwing the chair at the window. Right. Like I was like, I feel like if it was really happening, you'd react like that. You'd just be like, right. oh, oh, bang, throw the chair out and hit the car. Like you don't even care if you messed the car up. Like just someone right. notice me. Someone right. notice. Yeah, yeah, it's very reactionary in a very realistically human way. I No, I definitely agree. And it, like the tension is there, I believe, because... He's so vulnerable. And you see him, like, the one-liners work because you could clearly tell he's not trying to be cool. He's trying to calm himself down because this is right. a bad situation that he's in. He's right. not there by choice. He he would not want to be there, period. And so, it's just, it works really well. I got to say, like, he could have technically, he could have died at some time during this movie. And then, like, the spotlight would have gone to Reginald Vell Johnson. He would have had to right. storm the movie with that. That would have wish that would have been pretty entertaining as well. <laughs> so I didn't realize that this was the movie where Yippee Kaye came from. So when I yeah. saw that part, I was like, "Oh!" And I've also <laughs> seen that like picture, that shot of him in the air duct with the right, lighter. Yeah. I've seen that so many times, but I've never actually seen that part. And yeah, I just to say, I know that when I'm in a stressful situation, I would definitely find myself using humor to try to deal with it so it's that's another thing that a lot of people do you're making jokes you're trying to just laugh your way through this tough situation one thing i th- I actually was reading up on this too and the part you know when he jumps uh from one vent to the other and he mm-hmm. misses the vent and you're like oh man that's so cool like that was totally not planned the stunt man missed the vent on by accident and they kept oh. it in the movie and they reshot the part where bruce like recovers from that 
And no way. Yeah, it adds that, keeps that vulnerability going. And yeah, because that's pretty brutal. Yeah. I yeah. Remember, yeah. I remember seeing that part too, thinking that. I was like, man, he barely made that. Or yeah. something right. clipped over. You just... Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been, yeah, that was, I kind of feel bad for the stunt, man. I <laughs> you know? And the thing that, too, like, it was, a, it's sort of a disappointment. As you watch the sequels going on, he does become the kind of character, like the, the Rambo kind of character, where he's just like, you, you know, he's jumping off of planes. He's doing all kinds right. of crazy stuff. You know, he's falling from like six stories and walks away. With, he gets stabbed in the abdomen with a like a freaking piece of pipe. And, you know, he probably should have bled out. But then he just keeps on going for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Shake, just shakes it off. Yeah. You know, shake it off. Throw some dirt on it. We're good. Right. You think you'd, if it was Wolverine, that makes sense, but it's not. It's John McClane. So, right. Which they're coming out with another Die Hard movie. So we'll see if it's. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think they should come up with a, I don't know, the last one should be like Die Hard, Rest Easy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it should be should be a sequel to like uh, uh, Bubba Hotep. That would be more fun if they did something <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's a mashup. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be freaking legit. This would be, so that'd be the sixth movie in the, ser- in the um, series, I guess? Is yeah, right? sixth movie. You know, well, I, that makes sense because you'd have, I don't know, as far as doing things in, you know, even numbers i guess you could say um you know you got the first three that kind of run together and then having the three as he's a lot older he should have like an adopted son or something in the third in the the new one and just like he just has (laughs) more people he's related to and they're like wait i don't remember you from this or that no what they need to do is bring al powell's son who would have grown up by now they should bring him into it and tie tie it all the way back to the beginning with uh with al you know that would actually make a lot of sense Um, 100% Bring Carl Winslow back, please. Yeah. <laughs> Bring Eddie Winslow in. <laughs> yeah. Now that would make a lot of sense. So this movie was actually the original novel with the action took place over three days and then they squished it all together for the movie, which I think, I, I feel like that works better though, because it's, I don't know how that, that would have spread out over three days. I kind of want to read the book now to see how that works. Right. When was the book written? Uh, I don't know. The first movie was made in the 60s, so it was probably the 50s or 60s. I kind of want to come back to this. That's kind of a good segue. Back to the whole, is this a Christmas movie or not? And when you look at, aside from, oh, there's some Christmas songs playing in the background. Oh, it's on Christmas Eve. The whole point of how the heist happens is because of Christmas. There is a Christmas party that brings everybody together. Everybody's loose and drunk. Security's lax. Yeah. Um, you know, the cops are busy elsewhere. The whole reason that Bruce Willis is coming to L.A. is to try to reconcile with his estranged wife, see his family for Christmas. So yeah. it really, really, you know, has to do with these Christmas elements. And then you can get, I just, I read this in an article uh, yesterday or today, and <clears throat> They were really breaking it down to where you have, you know, the unborn child like Jesus. You have Car- uh, Carl Winslow's son, you know, they keep referring to him and he's kind of like a Joseph kind of character trying to, you know, he's working overtime to take care of his son. I and then for- you have, yeah, I you forgot have this- about that scripture in the Bible where Joseph shot a kid. Yeah. <laughs> right. And where he picked up Twinkies, you know, for right. Mary at the, the stop and go, <laughs> you know, on the way to Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you can get really into it that way. But as far as like how the story, you know, is really built around, it really only works because of the the Christmas element to it. Oh, and that's yeah. all I want. That's all I want to say about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I viewed this movie as a Christmas movie because I feel like... Actually, this is a good point to bring up, too. I feel like there should be rules on what defines a Christmas movie and what define, what is not a Christmas movie. Sure. And, like, for example, if Christmas is in the movie, like, for example, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, is that a Christmas movie? Like, I don't think so, because it's just, like, the movie takes place over a year, and so it's not a just around Christmas. This movie takes place in Christmas Eve, and then... Right. Like, they, he's there for Christmas, to see his kids for Christmas. Right. So, I feel like this movie does actually work as a Christmas movie. Yeah. We well, definitely like to make our excuses about, you know, oh, there was, you know, a picture of Santa in it. It's a Christmas movie! You know, we love our excuses to, you know, to watch a movie other than your your standards, uh, right. historical standards. But, yeah, I think this is, uh, I love the argument for that this is a Christmas movie. What were you going to say, Jake? For for me, uh, if Christmas is mentioned and you see trees and lights and then someone's flying on a plane, that's like <laughs> so relevant to my life. Uh-huh. And I'm flying to see family every Christmas. So yes. that just right off the bat makes me feel like it's a Christmas movie. You're 100%. If it turns into a huge action film. well and the second movie takes place in an airport which uh we should probably we should save that one for like next year if uh right totally do die hard too do it die hard every year dude (laughs) i wish that they kept going like every die hard movie happens at christmas that would be hilarious if that that would have been kind of fun because they did do the fourth of july with the fourth one and then in russia i don't know if that never mind when when uh josh mentioned twinkies I remember watching that part and thinking, like, did they really have to put this in the movie? And he's sitting there and he's like, uh, "What? Uh, what's even in these things? It's like sugar, rich flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, yellow dye number five, just everything a growing boy needs. Like, uh, okay. Just in that, that perfect, like, deadpan you know, Carl yeah, Winslow it voice. Like, it's it just... was his deepest moment. And it, you got, they got, the camera got so close up and they were like having this touching moment. If they were male and female, they would have started making out or having phone sex. You know, I bet that, that somebody lost a bet and they like, that's why they put it in. They're like, you will list every ingredient in a Twinkie in this movie. Right. You could tell he, right. and you could tell watching his eyes in the movie that he was like going through memory of like, that he took time to memorize these ingredients. Right. That man has spent a lot of time with Twinkies, you can tell. <laughs> okay, so the real Knows question them intimately. The real question is, did you have you ever tried the whole rubbing your feet on the bare feet on the floor with the carpet? You guys ever tried that? Uh, Wait, not on carpet, but you know, I, I uh, Nikola Tesla used to curl his feet feet up at the end of the night while he's in bed, so I used to I've done that a lot just thinking about like, oh, I want to be a smart guy. Well, so <laughs> curl my toes up at the end of the yeah. night. No, he said to, to do it, so I'll do it. So there there, when, when the dude mentioned it right off the bat in the movie, I started thinking about it, and then I literally started curling my toes on the floor. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, you know that 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 uh, take. I don't know what does it take away the jet lag? Is that what he said it was about? I'm I'm assuming he didn't really refer exactly what it was. I don't think he did because I think he just but, says like worth yeah, it, right? And he's just like, I've been doing this for however many years, seven years or something like that. And I'm yeah. assuming I guess that's because the jet lag, which is why you're doing it. But it seemed like Bruce Willis's character John was more just fear of heights and being in planes so i don't know how that's relevant to you know <laughs> right. uh, curing jet lag right well, so it I confused will, me a little bit i will say this though like actually going barefoot and then 
rubbing your feet on the ground slowly is actually called a grounding technique that helps you to relax. Oh, yep, you're so right. So if you actually like go outside barefoot and you just like stand in the grass and like slowly move your feet, uh, just really focusing on the feeling, then yeah, it kind of helps ground you and relaxes you. So maybe that's why they did it. I don't know. Maybe that guy was on cocaine. We, we don't know. I, we know the other guy. Or maybe you know? they just needed to have some kind of build up to why Bruce Willis's character didn't wasn't going to have shoes on the rest of the movie. For the wrestling. Yeah. Because that, obviously the broken glass scene. Him, yeah. He took him off. super well, impactful. He took him off right before the, guy sh- the bad guy showed up. He's yeah. chilling in her office room and he's just rubbing his feet. He's like, oh. Yeah. Dude, I, I like that too, <laughs> actually. From that, that moment me- on, he never had shoes on again. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I like that scene, though, too, where he um, he's like, after he kills somebody, then he's like, checks their shoe size to see if it fits. <laughs> and it doesn't. And he's I always wanted, like, I wanted that to ha- keep happening with other guys he killed. And it right. didn't happen. But I was like, dude, try this guy's shoes on now. <laughs> right. Maybe <laughs> one of them fit. has to fit. That <laughs> would have been awesome if, like, the guy at the end that uh freaking reggie shoots like he like takes his shoes off and he's like there's the pair yeah <laughs> oh dude that would have been dying it would have been amazing he'd be like merry christmas yeah merry christmas dude <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great yeah dude th- this is awesome too so the firearms in this movie like most of the time what they would do is they would actually um like modify real firearms so they would shoot blanks off but they wanted uh, John McTiernan actually wanted this movie to be more realistic, so they had bigger blanks made so that you could see the muzzle fire. Oh, and wow. yeah, and apparently those were way louder than the regular blanks. So in the movie, you could see Alan Rickman like jerk a couple times when people shoot because he it's so loud that it like he jerks from the sound. Right. So it's pretty cool because also too they apparently the only gunshot sounds they had in the the library of sound effects was from the 1950s so this is one of the first movies where they went out and actually recorded gunshots and on the range and then brought it in and then actually put that in the movie so i think that's why also like to the to the correlating weapons yeah so i think that actually is a big deal because like sound is a big deal for you know like just oh yeah you're watching a movie and if you've got amazing sound that is literally you don't realize it but that's like half of the reason you're watching the movie Right. So, so yeah, well, yeah, the Foley, Foley always, like, I'm always listening for the Foley artist guys in movies. Sometimes you <laughs> yeah. can tell when they use samples or, like, like door opening samples that have been used for years. Oh, or, yes. Like in Star Wars, uh, the, the certain screams when the guy, when the guy's Right. Uh, oh, but, yeah. But then like, those, oh, shoot. Yeah, so I forgot that guy. Movies like um, the one with Johnny Depp in Disney, uh, where he's a pirate. Pirates of the Caribbean? So a lot of that was, like, Full on, hundred percent, foleyed in a studio where dudes were making every little sound effect of ruffling the the clothes to the jingling of the necklace and his earrings and his everything. Like they, they just do every little sound effect. That's sometimes so I, old I, school I, too. Yeah, I love I listen it to for those movies, and you can tell when they're like really going all out and putting some real effects in there. At least coming from a sound guy perspective. Absolutely. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate no, when I'm, they put that extra work in there. I right. love that too. Cause I know they did the same thing with Indiana Jones, um, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, like the whole, uh, with the boulder rolling down, they actually had a convertible that they just bat were backing up down a gravel road and they were recording the, the sound next to the back tires. 
And then they, nice. like, and then for example, the gun that he has, I forgot the name of the gun, but he has a, it has a smaller sound. So they actually picked a bigger weapon to put over his sound when he shoots the gun. So it sounds more meaty. And right. yeah. So I, I love it when they start doing new things. Like for example, going back to start, we need to review the first Star Wars movie sometime. <laughs> it's such a landmark film, but like truly, but um, the fact that the, before that Star Wars movie, there was no laser sound. And so like somebody heard like they they were hearing somebody banging on a wire and they were like, Oh, that sounds cool. Then so that that became the laser sound. And so wow. yeah. So sound effects will make or break a movie. Well, just like we were talking about um the the last episode we did, uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the most of the soundtrack, if you can call it that, the audio track we'll say, is just sound effects or or just the sounds you would hear from a slaughterhouse. And so having that play in the background nonstop, just it made you so tense, regardless of what you were seeing. It was just grating. And I was just, that's so brilliant. So yeah, kudos to uh, all the professional uh, Foley men and women out there. And uh, just, just, just raising the bar on, uh, on sound effects for sure. So, but I wanted, one thing I want to talk about is I was super impressed with the pacing of this movie because it is a long movie, but it's it's an amazing ride. I mean, it, the 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 scenes don't last too long. Um, the action is is paced really well. Obviously, the I mean, most of the shots are really interesting. So it just it keeps you going. Like you don't. I didn't feel like there was any lag or or drag for the most part. I stayed hung up in it for the whole movie, man. I was enjoying it, and I honestly didn't think I was going to enjoy this movie that much. And mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it was great. It was yeah. nostalgic. It was fun. I love Bruce Willis, so that was a win. When's the last time you've that you've seen it since reviewing or watching it again for this uh, for the podcast? Probably the single digits. Wow, nine. Wow, there we go. See, bringing a little bit more Christmas cheer to you. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, this one. It's funny because I whenever I would think of this movie, I would think of it as being a 90s movie for whatever reason i don't know why but and maybe it's just because how decade to decade you see the end of a decade bleeds into the beginning of the next one right a little bit and maybe that's why but to me i always felt like this is like the quintessential 90s action movie uh though i think we said that about the rock a few episodes ago (laughs) oh i definitely thought this was a 90s movie until i found out it came out my birth year yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, for me, I feel like I think it was because of the video games. Like they had the Die Hard trilogy that was released in the '90s, um, uh, and then yeah, all those arcade games. And I think that might have been the case because Die Hard with a Vengeance, for some reason, like I kept seeing p- pictures of that one, and that's a '90s movie. It was kind of like when we were talking about Terminator um, a while back, and I would always, I would always kind of assume that a lot of the quotes that were from Terminator. Yeah, we're actually in Terminator Two, but I remember more as a kid because it, it, that Terminator came out in '84, so I was four years old. So I didn't know I didn't know what Terminator was. But when Terminator Two came out in the late '80s, that was a big deal. I was very aware of that. So they just kind of bled together, and it's so amazing. I see what you mean. Where the newest movie in a franchise, when you're a kid or the first time you see something, you might associate everything right having to do with that movie. It's amazing how memory works, where you're that, how that it just kind of bleeds together. Sometimes we should probably start wrapping up um, our, for our Christmas special here. So let's go into right. final thoughts on this one. 
Um, what do you guys think the budget? The, so budget was twenty eight million and it made one hundred and forty million. Uh, do you think that it hit the mark when it came out? Yes, I definitely, definitely do. I give it an A. Yeah, same. I agree. So we got a it. A across the boards there. And do you think that it's relevant today? Yeah, it's definitely relevant as a classic. Uh, but I mean, man, it's such a solid action movie. Like yeah. it's, it's. I mean, other than like what people are wearing, maybe it's the pacing, everything else. I think still holds up even with today's action movies for the most part. I mean, maybe not, I mean, it's not John Wick, but as far as like the stylized, like, you know, hand to hand combat, you know, and, and stuff like that. But just as far as like your basic action movie, I think it totally holds up. So uh, that being said, I mean, it's, it's an old movie, right? But I mean, you say Die Hard, people know what it is, right? Yeah, Josh and I were discussing before the show, actually, if we should do the synopsis way earlier or we should talk about it a little bit and then do the synopsis. And I was like, it's diehard. Like, who doesn't <laughs> know this movie or have heard of it or whatnot, you know? So, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. It's just like, I agree. I think it's a classic. Is it still relevant today besides it being a staple of action movies? Kind of changes the game with action movies. I want to say yes, it's still relevant because people still talk about it around Christmas. Right. Like every right. year, you hear Die Hard comes up. So I'm gonna give it a B for relevancy, which is kind of funny that like, even if you don't think it's a Christmas movie, you still talk about it at Christmas because somebody's right. like, "Hey, it's Christmas." Movie. Somebody's gonna bring it up. Yeah, and like, "Hey, shut up, Lloyd." But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So like that, I think it. Yeah, I give it a B. What about you, Jake? I I give it a B as well. I'm I'm with yep. you on that. And uh, let's round it out with three Bs. Here we go. Personal enjoyment. Let's start on the opposite. Jake, what was your personal enjoyment of this movie? Oh, definitely an A. Definitely <laughs> oh, a. Considering that I was, expecting, I was expecting to feel a C out of it. And uh, yeah, after Carl Winslow came to the story, I was like, this is great. I love this. Yeah. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> he is... totally steals the show. It's He's amazing. Such good chemistry. But yeah, I got a... I'm with you there with an A as well. And I... I knew I was going to enjoy this movie because I hadn't seen it in a few years, but I, I was surprised, you know, kind of like you, Jake, just how much I enjoyed it. I mean, when it was over, I'm just like, dude, heck yeah. <laughs> this yeah. movie's awesome. I got to, yeah, for me, I think I'm going to have to give it an A too because um, unlike you hosers, I actually watch this movie every year. And- <laughs> every year, and it's still an A. Dang, that's a, that's a solid A right there. It is yeah. very solid. It's legit. Yeah, no, I, this movie is so much fun. Um, it's just... It's fun too, because every now and then you run across somebody who has who actually hasn't seen it, and you're like, "Oh, you haven't seen this Christmas movie," and then right. they go in watching it, expecting it to be a little bit more focused about Christmas. And I mean, it's about family, and you know, so that's all, that's really important, right? So yeah, no, definitely give it an A. And all right, what about Midnight Watch? What do you guys think? Definitely, definitely. Yep, me too. I think any any part of this movie when it comes on, you're finishing the movie. Man, there we go. Yeah. Midnight watch, not across the board. I don't feel like uh, <laughs> I, I. I actually, th- I'm, I'm, I watch this movie every year, but it's not a midnight watch for me though. And I think it's just because I don't know. I've seen you just seen it. You've I, seen it too much. Probably. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's the case. Yeah. You know, like why Christmas is a midnight. No, I'm just kidding. It's not a midnight watch either. <laughs> um, but, man, that could be the case. It's just like it's a Christmas staple. So if I see it like. It's some other time during the year, I don't think that I would be like, oh man, I need to finish this movie. 
But right. yeah, no, totally give it an A otherwise. Absolutely. Any other yeah. thoughts before we wrap up this uh, episode? Uh, I think I'm good. Nope. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to check out this movie, I own this movie. Um, what do you guys, when did you see it? I wish I owned this movie. I, I don't know why I don't own this movie, but I rented it on Amazon, I think. Yeah, I watched it for free on Amazon. I guess I have like an HBO thing set up. Then nice. You know it. Yeah, I picked cool. this I picked this up on, a, man, that was another surprise gift for you right there. You know, like watch it for free. It was an A. <laughs> Watch the, yeah, there you go. I bought this movie actually on Black Friday for like $2, so that totally oh, score. worked out pretty good for me. So there we go. Special thanks to our sound producer, Jake. Thank you. And thanks right. for being uh, in front of the mic with us again. This is awesome. Not a you're, problem. Like we were saying, you're not, you're not a guest. You're part of the show. You're, just, you're normally just you know in the back. I have fun doing it, guys. It's been, it's been a good ride. We have, Sweet. Yeah, we would definitely want to get you uh, out in front of the mic with us again. Yeah, we really appreciate Before it. Your, your check will arrive in the mail later this week. So. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Just don't cash it right away. Yeah, don't, don't cash it uh, till March, at least March. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys. If you uh, enjoyed this episode, we'd love it. If you shared it with anybody, share it. <laughs> share it, please. Please share it. <laughs> yeah. Please. yeah, guys, uh, please subscribe um, if you're listening on Apple podcast we'd love some reviews anything just a short line or two uh five star rating would be very helpful you can check us out on uh i was gonna say instagram you can check us out on instagram and facebook but what i meant to say was uh stitcher and spotify and just about anywhere else you can also email us at the midnight watch podcast at gmail.com but this is a uh, dude this is it we uh this is our 25th episode it's the uh season finale Yes, the crescendo of the year. Uh, the this, Christmas special. Yes, this is the Christmas special for all of you British people out there. Um, no, we actually also too. We are on Audible. Man, we are we're bona fide. Oh, right, we're on Audible now. <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, hey, do you listen to that podcast? They're on Audible. Oh, I should check that out. That's good. What's it about? Oh, you just just check it out. Click on every episode. You know, right? So you don't have to listen to it. Just <laughs> click on the episodes. Hey, speaking of that, so we're taking the rest of the year off. Yes. Uh, and we'll be back in January. So uh, during that time, while you're bored uh, between uh, shopping for presents, which probably a lot of people are doing that online this year, but what you need to, uh, to distract yourself from that, go listen to some old episodes. Uh, like we we're saying, there's 25 of them. So pick something you haven't heard, work your way through the backlog. That would be awesome. Yes, as well. It's been an amazing year. We appreciate all the support and all the shares. It's just been awesome. We've got a lot of awesome things in the mix for next year coming back strong. So, season two. Season two. More cliffhangers, more plot twists, more, well, no. Gratuitous not, nudity. Uh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're not doing video yet, Josh. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much. You have a great the rest of the year. Merry Christmas. And as always, keep up the watch. Oh,